Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Wesley assisting me today. We are the Commandment Keepers Church. We have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. Today's lesson will be called Spiritual Farming 101, brothers and sisters. Spiritual Farming 101. Today's lesson will be a biblical understanding of spiritual farming. A spiritual perspective on agriculture that points us to biblical truths, brothers and sisters. Please follow us closely. We're going to Isaiah chapter 27. We're going to read verse 6. Today's lesson, again, is Spiritual Farming 101. Isaiah chapter 27, verse 6. He shall cause them that come of Jacob to take root. Read that again, brother. He shall cause them to come of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud. They shall what? Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Look at that. Jacob. He shall cause them that come of Jacob to take root. Who is Jacob? Jacob is Israel, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Isaiah chapter 27, verse 6. He shall cause them that come of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud. And fill the face of the world with fruit. Now that's key. The time has come for God's people to yield fruit that would bless the world, brothers and sisters. Who is God's people? The children of Israel, the natives, the Negroes, the Hispanics, brothers and sisters. These are the children of Israel, the Mexicans, the black Watainos, those of the South Pacific, some of the Vietnamese, right? Even some of the Japanese, brothers and sisters, some of those darker Japanese were actually Israelites. You're going to ask to tell you how the children of Israel went into Asia. That's where you get the word Samurai from, Samaria, brothers and sisters. You have those of the West Indies, Trinidad, Tobago, Jamaica, those from Haiti, the Dominicans also. The Negroes are the children of Israel. They are the children of Judah. See? The North American Indians. These are... These are the people that this scripture is referring to when it says they that come of Jacob will take root. Israel. These are the children of Israel. Twelve different tribes, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Isaiah chapter 27, verse 6. He shall cause them that come of Jacob to take root. Israel shall blossom and bud and fill the face of the world with fruit. That's key. Fill the face of the world with fruit, brothers and sisters. So it should be anticipatory that Israel would be utilized to promote the universal prevalence of the Most High God. This is the children of Israel we're speaking of here, brothers and sisters. Spiritual farming 101, which one thing that you notice is a reoccurring theme throughout biblical literature is the agricultural metaphors, brothers and sisters, that we're going to go into today. Is speaking of fruit, blossoming, budding, right? We're going to show you. Let's go to John, brother. 15 and 16. We're going to the gospel. Because Israel shall fill the face of the world with fruit. The precept to that is John 15 and 16. John chapter 15, verse 16. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and, and ordained you that ye shall go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever ye shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Read that again, brother. Ye have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. That's key. 
because there's a clear vision of what the Most High has for our lives. What 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 is it? Continue. And ordained you that ye shall go and bring forth fruit. That what? That ye shall go and bring forth fruit, and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever ye shall ask of my Father in in my name. He may give it to you. Now that's key. Christ beautifully articulated that this awakening was not accidental, brothers and sisters. See, he chose us before the foundations of the earth, brothers and sisters, speaking to the children of Israel, those who know they're the children of Israel, those who are awakened. See why? Because the disciples had come to Christ many times and say, well, listen, we gave up, you know, we gave up all of this to follow you. Christ said, let's be clear. You didn't choose me. I chose you. So simmer down. And guess what? Anything that you gave up, I will give you a hundredfold. So he's showing you we are God's garden, God's farm system for spreading the word. Brothers and sisters, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you and ordained you that you should bring forth fruit. That's key. That's why we were created. That's our purpose. I'm speaking to the children of Israel. Now, all people should do this, should bring forth fruit, but specifically the children of Israel. Why? Because the children of Israel have a high responsibility that others need not trouble themselves with. If they, you know, if they don't want to, really, we have no choice. The children of Israel have no choice. That's why we're suffering right now. Because life has been about not bringing forth fruit unto the Most High, but to fulfill what I think my life should be, which is against the Bible. You have not chosen me. I have chosen you. You're chosen, brothers and sisters. The children of Israel are chosen people, brothers and sisters. And the children of Israel are people of color, Hispanics, blacks, and natives. Now, some people may say, well, that's racist. Well, was it racist when you believed the white Europeans were the Jews and they were God's chosen people? Was it racist then? Or is it only racist now that we found out the people in this book is us? So don't bring that race mess into this. Okay? Let's go to Psalms, brother. We're going to go to Psalms chapter 147. Followers, brothers and sisters, please. We're going to Psalms chapter 147. We're going to read verse 19 and 20, brothers and sisters. Psalms, chapter 147, verse 17. Excuse me, 19, brother. Verse 19. He showeth his word unto Jacob. Read that again. He showeth his word unto Jacob, his statutes and his judgments unto Israel. Now that's key. See, we didn't make this up. The Most High chose us. See, you have not chosen me. I have chosen you. Read that again, brother. Psalms 147, verse 19. He showeth his word unto Jacob, his statues and his judgments unto Israel. So he showed his judgments and statues unto Israel, brothers and sisters. So only Israelites were privileged with this peculiar treasure. We have the privilege and an advantage above other nations in the world. He's going to show you. He has not dealt so with any nation. Read that again. He hath not dealt so with any nation. Israel had clear and exclusive knowledge of the Most High, while others were left in ignorance. And as for his judgments, they have not known them. Praise ye the Lord. See, now that's key. See, brothers and sisters, that's key. So we're not, we're not trying to say we're better than somebody. We're trying to say that the Most High chose us to be a light unto the world. 
That's key because our people have a high responsibility. I know that, you know, when you look at it in our history, our modern history, the last 400 years, some people will say it doesn't appear to be much evidence of God within our nation, within our community. No, there is evidence of God. We're being punished for our sin. We're going to make that clear. Read 19 and 20 again, brother. Psalms chapter 147, verse 19. He showeth his word unto Jacob, his statues and his judgments unto Israel. He have not dealt so with any nation. See, and that's what I go to our people and say, how can you learn the Bible from another nation when he never gave them his instruction? And as for his judgments, they have not known them. Praise ye the Lord. See, so Israel... The children of Israel <laughs> has the light according to the Bible. The nations, however, are covered with darkness. And only Israel sit in the light, brothers and sisters. So by reading these two scriptures, it shows us that the heathen are enveloped in ignorance. As for his judgments, they have not known them. See, that's why in all these other cultures, these other races of people, they have their own culture. They say you can eat whatever you want. Sleep with whatever you want and marry whatever you want. See? The children of Israel were supposed to be the standard for the world to follow, brothers and sisters. Why? Because he gave us his statutes and judgments. He didn't deal with any other nation. See, that's why we went into slavery. Because why? Because he gave us his, his word. He didn't give it to somebody else. He chose you, Israel. To bring forth fruit in the world, Israel. He's showing you. He has a high level of... He holds us in high regard, brothers and sisters. Irregardless of what other nations say about us, brothers and sisters. This shows you how much he value us, brothers and sisters. We're going to go... We're going to move forward. We're going to go to Jeremiah 11 and 16, brothers and sisters. Follow us here. Jeremiah chapter 11, verse 16 and 17, Brother Wesley. Jeremiah chapter 11, verse 16. The Lord called thy name a green olive tree. A what? A green olive tree. He called Israel a green olive tree. Fair and of goodly fruit. With the noise of a great tumult, he hath kindled a fire upon it, and the branches of it are broken. See? So look at this, brothers and sisters. He hath kindled a fire upon that olive tree. Who is the olive tree? We are the olive tree. And the branches of it are broken. Why? Because we weren't bringing forth fruit, brothers and sisters. See? Now, we're dealing with agriculture. Look at all these agricultural, agricultural terms here, brothers and sisters. A green olive tree, fair and of goodly fruit. See, brothers and sisters? Now, the question is... Well, rather, the statement is the Most High used the metaphor of an olive tree to, to describe his relationship with his people. That's crystal clear. The Lord called thy name a green olive tree. Now, that's critical, brothers and sisters. The olive tree represents the children of Israel, brothers and sisters. Let's prove that. Let's go to Psalms 52 and 8, brother. Remember, he called the children of Israel... A green olive tree. Psalms chapter 52 verse 8. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. 
I trust in the mercy of God forever see, and ever. See, so David is saying, listen, I'm like a green olive tree in the house of the Most High. And I trust in his mercy that endures forever. So we have to be clear here, brothers and sisters. The olive tree symbolizes stability and tranquility, brothers and sisters. And guess what? The olives of Israel had an unusually high oil content. And that's key. You have to understand this, brothers and sisters. We're going to break it down. We're going to use the precepts to illuminate what he's trying to explain to us, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time. Psalms chapter 52, verse 8. But I am like a green olive tree in the house of God. I trust in the mercy of God forever and ever. That's key. Remember this, brothers and sisters. I am like a green olive tree. So the olive tree is the children of Israel, brothers and sisters, all 12 tribes. Now, the question is, why is he calling us an olive tree? We're going to use the precept of a Leviticus. We're going to the Torah. Leviticus 24 and 2 to show you why is he referencing us with an olive tree. Leviticus chapter 24, verse 2. Command the children of Israel. Do what? Command the children of Israel. See, this is why it's important to know you're an Israelite. That they bring unto thee pure oil, oil, olive, beaten for the light. Read that again, brother, please. <clears throat> Leviticus chapter 20, 24, verse 2. Command the children of Israel that they bring unto thee pure oil, olive, beaten for the light. Read that part again. Command the children of Israel that they bring unto thee Pure oil, olive, beaten for the light to cause the lamps to burn continually. Now that's key, brothers and sisters. You see that? It says that they bring unto thee pure oil, olive, beaten for the light. So this is showing you something key here. <laughs> the olive oil was used for the lamps. What does a lamp do? Give light. <laughs> see, brothers and sisters? You beat down, you depress and suppress, you smash the olive for the oil that was utilized for light, brothers and sisters. That's key. Olive trees and the abundance of oil they produce were significant in everyday life within our culture in Israel, brothers and sisters. Israel, according to this scripture, was meant to be a guide, a light, instructor and teacher to the Gentiles. Now you're seeing why he's calling us the olive tree. Read that again, brother, please. <clears throat> Leviticus chapter 24, verse 2. Command the children of Israel that they bring unto thee pure oil, olive beaten for the light to cause the lamps to burn continually. See, so this is what the olive was used for. One of its you know, most significant uses, brothers and sisters, is it was used to light the lamps. <laughs> So this is why he's calling the children of Israel an olive tree. Why? Because he only gave his judgments and statutes to us. <laughs> so we're the only people, you know, we're the only people that can bring forth this light. Why? Because the scripture we just read told you that he only gave his statutes and judgments to Israel unto Jacob. He have not dealt so with any other nation. So what is that telling us? That's telling us that the world is in great spiritual darkness in respect to the spirituality of his law, brothers and sisters. And this metaphorical illustration reveals Israel's destiny, brothers and sisters. We are called with a holy calling that is found throughout biblical literature. 
to be a light, brothers and sisters. See? Let's go to Isaiah, brother. We're going to go to Isaiah 42. Follow us here, brothers and sisters. Spiritual farming 101. You're going to, you, we're going to come across a lot of agricultural terms that teach us a greater truth, brothers and sisters. Verse 6 and 7. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 6. I, the Lord, have called thee in righteousness and will hold thine hand and will keep thee and give thee for a covenant of the people for a light unto for a light of the Gentiles. For what? For a light of the Gentiles. See? So look at that. That olive tree beaten for oil <laughs> to put in the lamps. A light of the Gentiles. See? So light is the emblem of knowledge, of instruction, brothers and sisters, revealing to the world the true nature and character of God. Read that again, please. Isaiah chapter 42, verse 6. I, the Lord, have called thee in in righteousness, and will hold thine hand, and will keep thee, and give thee for a covenant of the people, for a light of the Gentiles. To do what? For a light of the Gentiles. To do what? To open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and to th and them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. To do what? To open the blind eyes, to bring out the prisoners from the prison, and them... And them that sit in darkness out of the prison house. See, so that's key. When light approaches darkness, truth is published, brothers and sisters. Things are seen for what they really are, <laughs> brothers and sisters. This is our initial purpose on the earth, the children of Israel. See? He called us for a light of the Gentiles to open the blind eyes to bring out the prisoners from the prison, brothers and sisters. <laughs> When it's talking about darkness, it's talking about ignorance, brothers and sisters, in the Bible. Darkness, more times than not, is referring to an ignorance to what your purpose is, brothers and sisters. See? So we're showing you something here, brothers and sisters. The children of Israel are held to a higher standard. And that's why we're going into this lesson today. To give our people the understanding, to make them cognizant, to make them aware of what their duty is, according to this Bible, brothers and sisters. Let's move forward, Brother Wesley. Let's go to Galatians 7 and 8, because we got to go through some principles here. We're going to the New Testament, brothers and sisters. We're reading chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Read that again, brother. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, this is key, brothers and sisters. It's showing you, be not deceived, okay? I don't want you to be deceived, but understand that the world operates under the law of cause and effect. Read that again, brother, please. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. See, so there are natural consequences to our actions, brothers and sisters. It's called the law of harvest. See, farmers understand this. <laughs> Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Whatever you sow, what you put in that ground, 
It's going to determine what comes up, brothers and sisters. See? Now, each of us is a sower who will reap a harvest of our own planting. We have to know this, Israel. Everybody needs to know this, but especially Israel. Read that from the top, brother, please. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. See, so every time we choose an action, we also choose the consequences of that action, brothers and sisters. See, this is a principle here, brothers and sisters, that will not be broken. You cannot do the wrong thing and expect to get the right result. It will never happen. But many people try this. Many people try this. And the Bible is telling you, be not deceived. The Most High will not be mocked. If you do the wrong thing, you're going to reap the consequences of that wrong thing. You're not going to be blessed for doing the wrong thing. That's crystal clear, brothers and sisters. Why? Because we're talking about agriculture here, brothers and sisters. You can learn a lot from a farmer, brothers and sisters. You can learn a tremendous amount of spirituality if you spend a week on a farm, brothers and sisters. To magnify that point, brother, let's go to Hosea. We're going to the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. We're going to Hosea 8 and 7. Hosea chapter 8, verse 7. For they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. It hath no stalk. The bud shall yield no meal. If so be it, yield, the stranger shall swallow it up. Read that again, brother, from the top. For they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. Look at that, brothers and sisters. No fact is more significant and sobering than this one. I always reap more than I sow. <laughs> See that? Read it again, brethren. Hosea chapter 8, verse 7. For they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. It hath no stalk. The bud shall yield no meal. If so be it yield, the stranger shall swallow it up. See? So this is a principle here that we must understand, brothers and sisters. See? We never reap less. Always more, brothers and sisters. And this agricultural metaphor is a life-changing principle, brothers and sisters. Why? Because the principle of harvest says that what comes back to you is always greater than what you sowed, brothers and sisters. See? So guess what? You plant a seed, uh, a farmer plants a seed, and what comes up is a tree. And that tree gives you, you know... 40, 100 times more than that seed that was planted in the ground, brothers and sisters. See? Now that's key. This is a key harvest principle. For they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind, brothers and sisters. It always goes further than you expected, brothers and sisters. See? This is on the righteous side or the unrighteous side, brothers and sisters. Brother Wesley, read Hosea 8 and 7 one more time before we go to the next precept. Hosea chapter 8, verse 7. For they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. It hath no stalk. The bud shall yield no meal. If so be it yield, the stranger shall swallow it up. So I need you to see something here, brothers and sisters. The key part, the key emphasis is, for they have sown the wind. 
and they shall reap the whirlwind. It's showing you a principle, a harvest principle, brothers and sisters, a kingdom principle, is that you always reap more than you sow. So it will always go further than you actually expected it, brothers and sisters. You have to understand this. We're going to magnify this. Brother Wesley, let's go to Ecclesiasticus in the Apocrypha. We're going to read Ecclesiasticus chapter 7, verse 3. Excuse me, one second. Ecclesiasticus chapter 7, verse 3. Ecclesiasticus chapter 7, verse 3. My son, sow not upon the pharaohs of unrighteousness, and thou shalt not reap them sevenfold. Brothers and sisters, look at that. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Reaping more than we sow is fundamental to the laws of harvest. That's why we have to understand the laws of agriculture and harvest. Read that again, please. Ecclesiasticus chapter 7 verse 3 My son sow not upon the the pharaohs of unrighteousness and thou shalt not reap them sevenfold See here it goes reaping and sowing sow not upon the pharaohs of unrighteousness and you won't reap them sevenfold which shows you what <laughs> It's showing you the pain of harvest eclipses the pleasure of the planting brothers and sisters See sin may be enjoyable for a moment but is it more enjoyable <laughs> then when you know it's time to harvest that sin brothers and sisters sin always goes further than you prognosticate read that one more time brother Ecclesiasticus chapter 7 verse 3 my son sow not upon the pharaohs of unrighteousness and thou shalt not reap them sevenfold our people have to understand this brothers and sisters because why sin becomes expansive in short order. Always keep this in mind, brothers and sisters. See? It could be one decision, but that one decision could bring, uh, you know, bring a whole whirlwind upon you. It could bring an avalanche on you from that one decision. See? Thou shalt not reap them sevenfold. Now, you may not agree with this, but nevertheless, it's the truth. It's what the Bible is saying. Now, brother may say, well, if I do something, I should be repaid back the same way. And just that if it's a little thing, then it should just be a little thing. It don't work like that. Why? Because he's trying to, you know, he wants you to stay away from the sin. He's trying to deter you away from making unrighteous decisions. <laughs> it will always go further than you prognosticate, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you. Let's go to Song of Solomon, brother. Follow us, brothers and sisters, to the Old Testament, Song of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15. Songs of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15. What does that say, brother? Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines. Read that again. Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. Look at this, brothers and sisters. It's saying, take us the foxes, the little foxes. That spoil the vines. Why? Because the foxes will come through and tear up your harvest. It's showing you something here. It's the little things that ruin the fruit, brothers and sisters. Little sins are more dangerous than big sins because they easily go unnoticed, brothers and sisters. See? Read that again, please. <clears throat> Songs of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15. Take us the foxes, the little foxes. The what? The little foxes. That spoil the vines, 
for our vines have tender grapes. That's key, brothers and sisters. That's vital that you see this. The little foxes. See how he emphasized the little foxes that spoil the grapes, the vine of the tender grapes. See? It's the small things that compromise the fruit, brothers and sisters. Those who are undisciplined in small matters will likely be undisciplined in more important issues, brothers and sisters. And that is what we're seeing here is the deceitfulness of sin. You think it's a small thing, but it's not because it's really an indication of something greater. He who is faithful in least will be faithful in much. See, brothers and sisters, this is what the Bible yields to us. These are the scriptures it yields. Now, you can choose to ignore this or say, I don't agree. But nevertheless, the Most High didn't put this together for you to agree with it. He's telling us how it is, brothers and sisters. Whether you agree with it or not, it would be negligent of you to say, well, because I don't agree with it, I'm not going to utilize the information that I've learned. <laughs> See, I may not agree with it. I, I may think it should be different. But nevertheless, this is how it is. That's wisdom right there, brothers and sisters. It's the small things. He's looking for the small things, brothers and sisters. See? For example, especially for the children of Israel, uh, Moses, right? Moses, he struck that rock, right? He spoke against the people, right, brothers and sisters? And what happened? <laughs> he was banished. He was told that he could not make it into the kingdom of Israel. Why? Because he was too close to God. See, the other ones, they could do it. And they got away with it. <laughs> he said, Moses, you knew better. You were too close to me. You're not getting in. You see, brothers and sisters, the children of Israel are on. You can't look at what other nations are doing. You knew better. He told Moses. See, our people, all the rest of them, they were doing the same thing. <laughs> They were doing all the same things, idolatry, all types of stuff. Moses was disobedient with one thing, and the Most High said, well, that's it. That's it. You spoiled the whole, you spoiled the whole vine, Moses. You can't get in there. Why? Because you knew better. You were, on a different, you were held to another standard. See? And that's what I always encourage brothers and sisters who want to teach the Bible. Understand you're on a higher standard. Which means the punishment is going to be more severe for you. I tell Christian pastors this also. If you decide to help share this word and teach this Bible, you better understand the ramifications for disobedience. Because you should have knew better. You're too close to God. Now somebody else, yeah, they could do that. But the second, brothers and sisters, you start trying to share this with people, you better understand what come with this. Take us the foxes, the little foxes that spoil the vines. For our vines have tender grapes. See? You see this, brothers and sisters? We just wanted to make that parallel with Moses and how it was a little thing that had a big consequence, brothers and sisters. We're going to read that one more time, brother. <clears throat> Songs of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 15. Take us, take us the foxes. The little foxes that spoil the vines, for our vines have tender grapes. See, so don't ever look at something as something small, brothers and sisters. Okay? There is no such thing as small unrighteousness, brothers and sisters. Okay? Brothers and sisters, we're going to Hebrews 3 and 13. Why? 
because we were just speaking of the deceitfulness of sin, brothers and sisters, that what appears to be small is not small at all. Let's go to Hebrews 3 and 13, Brother Wesley. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. See, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Why? Because it never appears as detrimental as it is, brothers and sisters. It's, it's, uh, it progresses in small increments, brothers and sisters. And that leads, uh, leads to a hardening, brothers and sisters. See? The deceitfulness of the sin. The scripture previous said what? Gather the foxes, the small foxes that spoil the vine. See? Read that again, brother, please. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13. But exhort one another daily, while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. Remember that, because that's a kingdom principle, brothers and sisters. Now, the thing that's so deceptive, brothers and sisters, is what? It's that we reap in a different season. That's the deceitfulness of it, brothers and sisters. Some are deceived because their present seed does not appear to be producing an immediate crop. See, that's the deceitfulness of it. See, brothers and sisters, that you reap it actually in a different season. Brothers and sisters, follow us to Ecclesiastes chapter 8. We're going to read verse 11 and 12, Brother Wesley. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. That's key, brothers and sisters, because the sentence against an evil work, what is a sentence? A sentence is judgment, brothers and sisters. When you get sentenced, you're being judged. Read that again, brother. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. See, that's the deceitfulness of the sin. Because we don't see the immediate results, we often think we've gotten away with something or can. But we never do, brothers and sisters. See the deceitfulness here? Read. Though a sinner do evil a hundred times, and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before him. See, look at this, brothers and sisters. Take your time, brother. Look at this clearly. It says, though a sinner do evil a hundred times and his days be prolonged. See, so it's telling you that you may not get reaped, uh, excuse me, you may not reap what you've sown immediately. And that's the deceitfulness. The law of harvest says we sow in one season, we reap in another. Brothers and sisters, read verse 11 again, please. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 11. Because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, therefore the heart of the sons of men is fully set in them to do evil. See, so don't think that we can ignore the commands of God and go on our way with impunity, brothers and sisters. No harvest comes the moment that the seed is planted. It must wait for God's appointed time, brothers and sisters. And we have to understand these principles, brothers and sisters. We have to understand these principles. Read the next scripture, brother. Though a sinner do evil a hundred times, and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before him. So, 
So look at this, brothers and sisters, clearly. I need you to jot down this scripture, Ecclesiastes 8, 11, and 12. Because this should be both a warning against sowing evil and an encouragement for sowing good seed here, brothers and sisters. See? You may get away with it or think you're getting away with it now, but at the most inopportune time is when he's going to drop that bomb on you. <laughs> See? Also, this is also for dealing in righteousness, brothers and sisters. Set yourself up in the future. Make the decision today that's going to benefit you six months from now. It's going to benefit you six weeks from now. Because you're going to get, you know, there will be recompense. There will be reciprocity one way or another, brothers and sisters. See, this is spiritual farming here. This is agriculture. These are the terms that the Most High utilized throughout biblical literature to help convey a greater message that's, you know, not easily seen to the naked eye, brothers and sisters. We just went into what? The deceitfulness of the sin is that you think that you're getting away. <laughs> We've just shown that what? You reap in a different season than you sowed, brothers and sisters. Do you see that? Take your time with this, brothers and sisters. Brothers and sisters, follow us to Job chapter 34, verse 11 and 12. Job chapter 34, verse 11. For the work of a man shall render, shall he render unto him and cause every man to find according to his ways. What did that say, brother? For the work of a man shall he render unto him and cause every man to find according to his ways. So what are we seeing here, brothers and sisters? What we're learning here is reciprocity. A principle is a principle that we must understand, brothers and sisters. Here is one of God's absolute fixed principles. Read that again, brother. Job chapter 34, verse 11. For the work of a man shall he render unto him and cause every man to find according to his ways. Read. Yea, Surely God will not do wickedly, neither will the Almighty pervert judgment. So what is this showing us, brothers and sisters? You plant a seed, you get the life that is contained in that seed. That never, ever changes, brothers and sisters. Whatever you plant is exactly what you will harvest. And that's why it says, yeah, surely the Most High will not do wickedly, neither will the Almighty pervert judgment. So when you receive whatever your judgment is, that's exactly what you deserve. That's exactly what you deserve. So you blame yourself because a lot of us get angry at God based on us, you know, uh, reaping certain things. And he's saying, listen, I'm not doing wickedly. I would be perverting judgment and justice if I allowed you to continue to be have success when you're doing wrong. <laughs> See, read those two again, brother, please. Job chapter 34, verse 11. For the work of a man shall he render unto him, and cause every man to find according to his ways. Yea, surely God will not do wickedly, neither will the Almighty pervert judgment. See, so these are life principles, brothers and sisters. What are they? You reap what you sow, more than you sow, and later than you sow. These are the things we're learning from this particular lesson. Brothers and sisters, you reap what you sow, you reap more than you sow, and you reap later than you sow. 
Now, why, why are we bringing this up? Because we're trying to utilize the Bible to help encourage us to make proper decisions, brothers and sisters, and sow the proper seeds, brothers and sisters. We're going to show you, no matter who you are, these principles apply. We're going to show, we're going to show David. We're going to show our brother David, King David, and what transpired in his case. Because guess what? These particular principles, the law of harvest, it refers to him also. Uh, we're going to read 2 Samuel 11 and 2. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 2. And it came to pass in the evening time that David arose from off his bed and walked upon the roof of the king's house. David was king at this time. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself, and the woman was very beautiful to look upon. So here he goes. The first transgression is looking after a woman to lust after her. Did he walk away, cover his eyes, and say, oh my goodness, did he do that? No, that's not what he did. Let's see what he did. And David sent and inquired after the woman. See, that's what he did. See, he's making provisions for the flesh now. He doesn't know this woman at all. You're not supposed to look after a woman to lust after. And not only did he do that, brothers and sisters, he inquired after the woman. Read that again. And David sent and inquired after the woman. And one said, Is not this Bathsheba, the daughter of Elam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? The what? The wife of Uriah the Hittite. And David sent messengers and took her. And she came in unto him. And he lay with her, for she was purified from her uncleanness, and she returned unto her house. And the woman conceived, and sent, and told David, and said, I am with child. Now this is key, brothers and sisters, because verse 4 says, And David's messengers, <clears throat> excuse me, and David sent messengers and took her. She came unto him and laid with him. See, and then she returned back to her house. And then verse 5 tells you the woman conceived. And told David, listen, I'm with child. So what are we seeing here? We're showing you that King David coveted his neighbor's wife, committed adultery, and now he's getting ready to lie and murder her husband to conceal his sin. Brothers and sisters, jump to verse 14 and 15. 2 Samuel chapter 11, verse 14. And it came to pass in the morning... That David wrote a letter to Joab, who was his his chief in his army, and sent it by the hand of Uriah. Now he's had Uriah. He's wrote up a letter <laughs> to give to his commanding officer, and he sent it by the hand whose wife he just slept with. And what did this letter say, brother? Verse fifteen. And he wrote in the letter saying, "Set ye Uriah in the forefront of the hottest battle, and retire ye from him." That he may be smitten and die. So look at this, brothers and sisters. He covets his neighbor's wife. He commits adultery with his neighbor's wife. Then he lies and murders Uriah in an attempt to conceal his transgression, brothers and sisters. Now we have to show you that the principle of reciprocity falls on all men, including David, brothers and sisters. Because we can learn from something here. David was not a perfect man, okay? And guess what? He was an Israelite. Just to show you that Israelites do sin. Israelites do do, you know, th things that they ought not. Brothers and sisters. Jump to chapter 12, verse 9, brother. Second Samuel, chapter 12, verse 9. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord, 
to do evil in his sight. Thou hast killed Uriah the Hittite with the sword, and hast taken his wife to be thy wife, and hast slain him with the sword of the children of Ammon. So you had him killed by the children of Ammon. Continue. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house. Now this is Nathan speaking to him. Read that again. Second Samuel chapter 12 verse 10. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house, because thou hast despised me, and hast taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be thy wife. So look at this. The Most High is communicating and saying the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me. You've killed a man and you've taken his wife. Read. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against, against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives in the sight of the sun. So look at this, brothers and sisters. He's telling them, listen, the sword will be in your home. And those of us who know the story of David and how his son raped his daughter, right? And how his son looked to kill his brother. And not only did he look to kill his brother, he looked to kill David. All this transpired in David's house, brothers and sisters. Read verse 11 again. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 11. Thus says the Lord, Behold, I will raise up evil against thee out of thine own house, and I will take thy wives before thine eyes, and give them unto thy neighbor, and he shall lie with thy wives, in the sight of their son. In the sight of the son, which is showing you, even though, listen, you look to conceal your behaviors, what I'm going to do is going to be public. See? So look at the prediction Nathan makes, brothers and sisters, that's going to transpire unto David. When David sowed to the flesh, he reaped what the flesh produced. Read the next scripture, brother. For thou didst in secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel. And before the sun. Read that again. For thou didst it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel and before the sun. Continue. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. What did he say? I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David. What did he say? The Lord also have put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Thou shalt not die. So David, he did what? He repented. The Most High said, listen. I accept that repentance. I won't kill you. How, how be it? Read. How be it? Because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. So look at this, brothers and sisters. There's something key here. I need you to look at the prediction Nathan makes in spite of David's confession. Read that again, brother. Read 13 and 14 again. Second Samuel chapter 12, verse 13. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, The Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Howbeit, because by this deed thou hast given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme, the child also that is born unto thee shall surely die. See, so we needed to pr pr prove that, brothers and sisters. When David sowed to the flesh, he reaped what that flesh produced. He reaped the consequences of his actions, even though he had contrition and confession and had been forgiven. See that? The Lord says, well, David says, I have sinned against the Lord. He admits his sin. 
But the scripture also tell you, the Lord hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die, but you're still going to reap what you sow. See, brothers and sisters, underline it, start and mark it deeply on your conscience mind, brothers and sisters. Confession and forgiveness in no way stops harvest. See, David's confession and forgiveness did not stop the harvest, brothers and sisters. So even though your sins may be concealed, you will reap publicly what you've sown privately, brothers and sisters. See, what you are tomorrow depends on what you do today, brothers and sisters. Right now, you're making choices that will affect the rest of your life. And we needed to magnify that even though you confess, you still have to reap. See, that's the principle, brothers and sisters. Be not mocked. A man shall reap. That which he sows. Now that's a big thing because our people think that if you do wrong and then ask for forgiveness, then you don't have to pay for that. <laughs> How wrong are we? How wrong are we, brothers and sisters? You're going to pay for it. Even though you had contrition and confessed. See? So you have to understand that, brothers and sisters, because you have grace. But that grace doesn't mean you will not receive punishment. That you'll have to, you know, that you won't receive the consequences of your actions. And that's a major thing, brothers and sisters, that I need our people to see. That's a major thing. Because this is why we so flagrantly abuse grace. Because we think, well, yeah, I did sin. I'll just apologize and then that's it. Nah, don't work like that. You do what's wrong. You repent and confess, turn away. You're still going to reap. Because that is the law of harvest, brothers and sisters. That's the law of harvest. So if you're breaking his laws, brothers and sisters, especially purposely, brothers and sisters, and have some level of an excuse, whether that's his holy day laws, his Sabbath laws, or whatever the case may be, your excuse does not matter. You have to reap what you have sown. And this was David, brothers and sisters. This was a man after God's own heart, and he had to reap it, even though he confessed, brothers and sisters. And that's the major part that I wanted to uh, utilize from this particular lesson is that confession is no way going to erase the harvest, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Matthew 13, brother. Matthew chapter 13, we're going to read 24 through 30, brother. Matthew chapter 13. Verse 24, another parable put he forth unto them, saying, saying what? The kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which soweth good seeds in his field. So look at this. The kingdom operates like a garden, brothers and sisters. This is why it's key to understand agricultural terms. But while men slept, his enemies came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. Continue. But when the blade was sprung up, and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seeds in thy field? From whence then hath he have it tares? So this is key. Read that again, brother, verse twenty seven. So the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seeds in thy field? Didst not thou sow good seed in the field? From whence then have it tears. So brothers and sisters, 
the larger portions of what you experience in life is residual of bad mistakes from the past, brothers and sisters. Our life is a series of reaping what we've sown. But in this case, read it again, brother. <clears throat> so the servants of the householder came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in thy field? See, that was key because they immediately eliminated this was not something I sowed. <laughs> See, they had wisdom here. They understood about reaping and sowing the principle of reciprocity. Brothers and sisters, and we have to understand that when something transpires amongst me, the first thing I do mentally is say, did I do something? That's the first thing I go. I don't start looking to point somewhere else. The first thing I do is think about me. Did I, did I offend the most high? Let me think back. Is there anything I did to warrant what has befallen me? That's what we must do, brothers and sisters. When you can spiritually discern, you know that there's certain things that transpire in life based on what you sow. You must be able to acknowledge what you've done wrong so the Most High knows you understand. Read that one more time, brother. So the servants of the householders came and said unto him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seeds in thy field? From whence then have it tears? So, brothers and sisters, sometimes it's not you reaping something you've sown. Very, you know... Most times it is, but sometimes it's the enemy looking to throw a wrench in your program, brothers and sisters. So in the midst of getting the best of life, they encountered the worst of life. And that happens occasionally also, brothers and sisters, where the enemy will come look to bring in, bring in confusion, brothers and sisters. Read the next scripture, brother, please. Matthew chapter 13, verse 28. He said unto them. An enemy has done this. The servant said unto him, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? Read. But he said, Nay, least while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. So anybody who knows what a tare is, a tare is a wheat, or excuse me, is a weed that looks like wheat, brothers and sisters, but it's actually a poisonous weed that kills the harvest, brothers and sisters. So read 29 again. But he said, Nay, least while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Continue. Let's both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of the harvest, I will say to the reapers, Gather ye together first the tares, and bind them in bundles to burn them. But gather the wheat in my barn. So this is key, brothers and sisters, because it shows you that the enemy will have tares amongst the wheat. A tear is an enemy to weep, brothers and sisters. To understand what he's speaking of clearly, go to verse 38 so we can identify what the tear is, brothers and sisters. Matthew chapter 13, verse 38. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. See, that's key, brothers and sisters. That's key. The field is the world. The good seed are the children of Israel or the children of the kingdom. But the tares are the children of the wicked one, brothers and sisters. See? So we need you to see something here. There's going to be enemies out there that's going to look to deter us, brothers and sisters. Satan have wicked ones amongst the world just there to throw a wrench in. Just there to steer you off track, brothers and sisters. Just there to confuse you and lead you into the pit, 
brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Matthew chapter 13, verse 38. The field is the world. The good seeds are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. Now, why are we bringing this up, brothers and sisters? We're bringing this up because you have to understand that you're going you're gonna to need to leave the world and leave people behind, brothers and sisters, in order to be fruitful, in order to fulfill your purpose, brothers and sisters. See, because why? There's certain people that have been planted in your life just to deceive you, just to harm you, just to pervert you, brothers and sisters, just to subvert you, just to keep you away from what your destiny is, brothers and sisters. Satan will put a person in your life just like that. See, sisters know what I'm talking about. Brothers know what I'm talking about, too. Your life is going great. And then the wrong person come into your life and that's a setback. Five, six years setback. Why? Because the wrong person was in your life. So the Bible is showing you there are people out there that are being utilized by the devil to lead you into a pit. To lead you against the God that created you. Let's go to Mark, brother, chapter 9. I'm standing in the gospel here, brothers and sisters. Mark Chapter 9, verse 1 through 3. Mark, chapter 9, verse 1. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, that there, there, that there be some of them that stand here, which shall not taste of death, till they have seen the kingdom of God come with power. Read. And after six days, Christ taketh with him Peter and James and John, and leadeth them up into the high mountain apart by themselves. Read that again. And after six days, Christ taketh with him Peter and James and John, and leadeth them up into a high mountain apart by themselves. Apart by themselves. That's the key. I want you to jot this down, brothers and sisters. Because as we are in the process of being elevated towards our destiny, it is important to realize that everyone in your circle can't go with you where God is taking you, brothers and sisters. Read verse 2 again, brother. And after six days, Christ taketh with him Peter and James and John, and leadeth them up into a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them. See, so everybody in your life at this moment is not meant to remain there, brothers and sisters. It's showing you what? That God will lead you to a place where the crowd would not be able to go, brothers and sisters. You, you see this, right? He, brought, he pulled Peter, James, and John alone by themselves and took them up onto the Mount of Trans and Transfiguration, brothers and sisters, where he, he was changed, brothers and sisters. See? You must forsake your comfort in order to obtain your destiny. Read the next scripture, brother. Mark chapter 9, verse 3. And his raiment became shining, exceeding white as snow, so as no fuller on the earth can white them. So what it's showing you is showing you that he looked different. He was transfigured, brothers and sisters. See? So we're showing you something here. Following Christ will take you to where the air is thin, brothers and sisters. Up on that mountain. So you got to know when a person's part in your story is over, brothers and sisters. Because look, if they would have not been pulled apart 
to follow Christ away from the crowd, they would have never seen the truth of Christ. They would have never seen the transfiguration of Christ to show you sticking with certain people, sticking in certain crowds and not willing to separate from that is going to keep you away from the goodness of Christ. See? Put that in conjunction with Matthew 13, that Satan have planted those in this earth amongst us that you can't tell is evil. You can't tell what their original intent is until the end. Satan had people that he placed in our lives amongst us or have tried to, to divert us, brothers and sisters, to knock us off the path, brothers and sisters. See, even here, Christ has shown you he pulled Peter, James and John away from the crowd by themselves and said, follow me. See, brothers and sisters, that's key. Don't ever forget that, brothers and sisters. Everyone can't go where the Most High is trying to take you. And if you're not willing to leave them, you will not be able to obtain your destiny. Let's go to Psalms, brother. I'm going to go to Psalms 1 and 1. Psalms chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. When you are chosen, you will forever be pulled apart, brothers and sisters. Why? Because of the uniqueness of your path. You can never be common in your associations, brothers and sisters. In order to sustain fruitfulness, we must leave the pack, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother. Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Don't walk with the ungodly. Nor standeth in the way of sinners. Don't even be where the sinners are, brothers and sisters. Nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. See? Nor sitting. If you're sitting, you're relaxing. You're chilling. You're comfortable here. See? So we must, you know, be in the business of cultivating fruitful friendships, brothers and sisters. We must be militant against unfruitful communion, brothers and sisters. Why? Because it could potentially compromise the production of fruit if we're dealing with the wrong people, brothers and sisters. See? That's key. Where it says, nor standeth in the way of the sinners. Some Christians will try to say, well, that's talking about stopping the sinner from coming to the truth. No, that's not. That's talking about being amongst them, walking the same way with them. See? You must completely separate yourself from the world. Why? Because there's tears that have, be, have been sown into our lives, brothers and sisters, to not only divert us, but destroy us, brothers and sisters. You have to understand that. Let's go to Proverbs, brother, 4 and 14. Follow us, brothers and sisters, to Proverbs chapter 4, verse 14. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 14. Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not into the way of the evil men. This simple rule is crucial, brothers and sisters. Solomon warned his son to avoid iniquitous friendship with the wicked. Can you read that again? Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of the evil man. You cannot embrace Lady Wisdom and enjoy her benefits while walking with sinners, brothers and sisters. What is the moral lifestyle of the wicked? Habits and preferences that promote sin. Brothers and sisters, read that again. Proverbs chapter 4 verse 14. 
Enter not into the path of the wicked, and go not in the way of the evil men. Avoid it, pass not by it, turn from it, and pass away. When it says pass not by it, that means keep a safe distance to not approach it, brothers and sisters. I don't want those transgressions associated with my walk. See, brothers and sisters? If, if you, you know, if you can't do these things and understand, you can't be blessed. Because some say, blessed is the man. <laughs> See, it's not always about what you do. It's about what you don't do. <laughs> what will you not do? See, that's the question, brothers and sisters. That is the question. We're going to go to 2 Corinthians 6 and 14, Brother Wesley. Follow us, brothers and sisters. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Do what? Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion have light with darkness? See, brothers and sisters, you understand that? Read that again, brother, please. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Is it unfair that God should ask this of us, brothers and sisters? Remember, he bought us with a price. The price was the life of his son, which obligates us to a life of purity and holiness. And what concord hath Christ with Baal? And no, no, Baal. read 14 again, brother. Sorry. Second Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion have light with darkness? Look at this. What fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness? I really need you to think about this, brothers and sisters. And what communion have light with darkness? So, brothers and sisters, fools cannot be real friends to a child of God. It's impossible. They are incompatible by nature, brothers and sisters. They have nothing of value to offer. What fellowship have righteousness with unrighteousness? What communion have life with darkness, brothers and sisters? Why? Because we're trying to play the fence. Many of us play the fence. And that will hinder your production of fruit, brothers and sisters. To magnify that, let's go to 1 Corinthians 15 and 33. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Be not deceived. Be not misled. Evil communications corrupt good manners. Look at that. Bad company corrupts good character, brothers and sisters. So we are not to be deceived into believing this warning was meant for someone else. <laughs> See? Someone not quite as mature, not quite as smart, maybe somebody weaker, more naive, because this is what we do. We say, oh, yeah, this is actually speaking about somebody else that's, that's, that's you know, hasn't been in the truth as long as I have. <laughs> Why? Because that's exactly the rationalization each of us makes regarding God's word whenever his words won't allow us to do what we want to do, brothers and sisters. See? It's impossible to live a life that is unaffected by other people, brothers and sisters. Their attitudes and opinions, like pollen, blow into our lives, shaping our perspective and influencing our decisions. So you have to understand that, brothers and sisters. Can you read that again? 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Be not deceived. 
Evil communications corrupt good manners. And that's crystal clear, brothers and sisters. Why? Because most think they can resist the seduction of ungodly persons. Others think they can influence evil men to godliness. And guess what? Both are wrong. That's why he's saying, be not deceived, brothers and sisters. Be not deceived. Okay? This scripture is for you. <laughs> Let's go to Proverbs 14 and 7, brother. Go to the Old Testament, brothers and sisters. Please follow us there. Excuse me. Chapter 14, verse 7. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 7. Go from the presence of a foolish man. Do what? Go from the presence of a foolish man. When thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. Get away from fools. You find them by their speech. See, that's how you know a fool, brothers and sisters. They are persons with no real regard for the Most High or the truth of the Bible. That is a fool. Read that again. Go from the presence of a foolish man when thou perceivest not in him the lips of knowledge. Why is it saying this? Because the Bible understands, rather the Most High understands, we are influenced, for better or for worse, by those with whom we associate, brothers and sisters. See? What are you, not, what are you unwilling to give up for the Most High? Huh? That's the question you must ask yourself. We're going to go to Proverbs chapter 28, verse 7, Brother Wesley. Spiritual Farming 101, brothers and sisters. Proverbs chapter 28, verse 7. Whoso keepeth the law is a wise son, but he that is a companion of righteous men Shameth his father. Look at that, brothers and sisters. The question is, what is a riotous man? A riotous man is an undisciplined, extravagant, and wasteful man who's given to excessive revelry, brothers and sisters. Read that again. Whosoever, whoso keepeth the law is a wise son, but he that is a companion of righteous men shameth his father. Riotous men, right. evil, brothers and sisters. So he's saying shameth his father. Why? Because his father doesn't understand the attraction. The Most High can see where your heart is by the location of your treasure, brothers and sisters. Where you make your investments of energy, time, and money, brothers and sisters. See? So my father must agree with this covenant. When a man's character is not clear, look at his friends. See? That's what they do. They look at those who you call a friend to make a determination on your character. This is showing you something here. My father must agree with this covenant. And if it's not, I must exterminate it. That's key. Brothers and sisters. That's vital. Brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Ecclesiasticus in the Apocrypha 27 and 12. Ecclesiasticus. Chapter 27, verse 12. If thou be among the indiscreet, observe the time, but be continually among men of understanding. The biggest potential enemies to spiritual growth, brothers and sisters. Read that again. If thou be among the indiscreet, observe the time, but be continually among the men of understanding. Who we choose to spend time with has a direct correlation to how things go in our life. Brothers and sisters, this is primarily because we become like those we choose to invest time with. 
So look at this again. Read it again, brother. If thou be among, if thou be among the indiscreet, observe the time. That's key. Observe the time, brothers and sisters. See, you can't just casually relax around these people. Listen, it's going to be quick. <laughs> it's going to be quick like this, like that. I'm not spending time. I'm not relaxing, okay, amongst these people. <clears throat> but be continually among men of understanding. See, that's key. Be continually amongst men and women of understanding. Why? Because the good fruit does not cause the rotten fruit to become good. It's the rotten fruit that causes the rest to become bad, brothers and sisters. See? So he's telling you, separate. Okay? Prove everything, brothers and sisters. Prove everything. You cannot be unequally yoked, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Psalms 119 and 63. Follow us to Psalms, brothers and sisters. We're going to Psalms 119 and 63. Psalms chapter 119, verse 63. I am a companion of all of them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. How do you choose friends? David chose them this way. Read that again, brother. I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts. See, he was very selective in his friends, brothers and sisters. And this is showing us we should associate with those by whom we will be influenced for the good. We need friends who will sharpen us to fulfill God's desires and call for us, brothers and sisters. Read that again. Psalms chapter 119 verse 63 I am a companion of all them that fear thee and of them that keep thy precepts see so a person who followed the most high's law statutes and commandments is a friend see so look at that brothers and sisters we don't need those who dull our desire to serve the most high we need those who encourage us to walk with God not those who discourage us in our walk with God brothers and sisters see I'm a companion of all them that fear thee. If you fear him, you keep his commandments. See? Why? Because what do I have to do with a blatant sinner? A purpose sinner? See? Am I saying I can't be in the same room? No, I'm not saying that, but you're not my friend. <laughs> you're somebody I know. There's a difference between a friend and somebody I know. Let's go to Deuteronomy, brother. 22 and 9. Going to the Torah, brothers and sisters. Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 9. Thou shalt not sow thy vineyard with diverse seeds, least the fruit of thy seed which thou hast sown, and the fruit of thy vineyard be defiled. Take your time, brother. Read that smoothly for me. <clears throat> Thou shalt not sow thy vineyard, vineyard with diverse seeds, Least the fruit of thy seed which thou hast sown and the fruit of thy vineyard be defiled. Look at that, brothers and sisters. There was a reason for this prohibition. Thou shalt not sow the vineyard with diverse seeds. Lest the fruit of thy seed which hast sown and the fruit of thy vineyard be defiled. Why? <laughs> One clean, the other unclean. See? Read that again, brother. Thou shalt not sow thy vineyard with diverse seeds, 
lest the fruit of thy seeds which thou hast sown, and the fruit of thy vineyard be defiled. Read. Thou shalt not plow with an ox and an ass together. So look at this, brothers and sisters. There's reason for these prohibitions. It says, thou shalt not plow with an ox and an ass. One clean, the other unclean. One tall, the other short. Therefore, cruel <laughs> under the same yoke. See, brothers and sisters? The step of an ox and an ass being different, they could not pull together without causing one another much exertion and weariness, brothers and sisters. So the work would be nearly twice as hard. That's what he's showing, brothers and sisters. <laughs> be amongst people of like mind, people who are following me, who love me, who don't deal with purpose, sin, and you'll have an easier path. If you continue to fraternize and be amongst blatant sinners, you're going to have a harder life. Because you're going to be tempted with sin. In fact, you're going to find yourself doing and saying things in their presence that you wouldn't say amongst a church body. See? You find yourself talking <laughs> and doing certain things that you know darn well you would not do in front of your church mates. See? Slippery slope there, brothers and sisters. It's a slippery slope. He's telling you, he's teaching us rather, how to produce fruit and it's to stay away from the tares brothers and sisters let's go to 1 Corinthians 10 and 21 brother Washington 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 21 ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils see so our spiritual diet must not be a mixture of righteousness and one of iniquity, brothers and sisters. Commune with those who have a common future, not a common past. That's the thing. Because a lot of our people think they're being loyal to somebody based on something in the past. <laughs> it's like, brother, I mean, I'm born again. I'm changed. See? Listen, I still, you know, I got love for you. I don't want anything to happen to you, but... Our lifestyle is not the same, brother. Okay? You hang out with those who are going your same direction. If you want to be a millionaire, get in a room full of millionaires. They'll show you. See? Read that one more time, brother. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 21. Ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. See? So what he's showing you is... Be responsible. Be one or single-minded. Okay? You're going to have to give up certain things in order to be productive, brothers and sisters. We showed you. When he took the, the disciples, three of them, up to the Mount of Transfiguration, it said he pulled them apart by themselves. So that was even amongst believers. <laughs> See? If you can't come alone then you're going to hinder the ability to make it to your destiny because you're trying to hang out with the crowd. Remember your mama told you, don't be hanging out with them knuckleheads at school. Right? Why? What did mama know? <laughs> she understood. If you're not for me, you're against me. And if you're not helping me, you're actually hurting me. Give it up, brothers and sisters. Stop trying to live this duplicitous life. Why? Because Satan has put people in your life 
purposely to divert you off of the path, brothers and sisters, to slow you down, brothers and sisters, to make you unproductive, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Amos, brother. We're going to go to Amos, brothers and sisters, three and three. Amos chapter three, verse three. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Look at that, brothers and sisters. Look at that. Real friendship is an investment, brothers and sisters. It warns us, excuse me, it warns us not carried away by the areas of unprincipled men. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Because why? The influence of solicitation from evildoers can be subtle, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother. Amos chapter 3, verse 3. Can two walk together except they be agreed? Unless they be agreed. See? So foolish friends apparently getting away with sin dulls your hatred for sin, brothers and sisters. That's why you can't be amongst it. <laughs> because then you think, well, he's doing it. I mean, just a little, a little pepperoni. I mean, you know. I personally don't hang around people who eat pepperoni. <laughs> I, I just... Because if you eat pepperoni, then you're breaking everything else too, probably. I just don't do it. I, I, I mean, <laughs> it's showing you something, brothers and sisters. It's showing you something crystal clear. Being amongst sinners who don't care for the Most High's law, it will dull your hatred for that sin, brothers and sisters. Guess what? The people who try to defend homosexuals, and even though they're not homosexuals, it's because they have a homosexual friend. <laughs> Or family member, right? See? Being amongst sin will have you accept it. And say, well, well, I may not do it, but you know, to each his own. What? To each his own? Can two walk together except they be agreed, brothers and sisters? We must not be dismissive to the power of agreement. Why? Because who you agree with is a powerful thing. And we're going we're gonna to prove that by going to Isaiah 28 and 15. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 15. Because ye have said, we have made a covenant with death. Read that again. Because ye have said, we have made a covenant with death. And with hell are we at agreement. And what? And with hell are we at agreement. Brothers and sisters, friendship is expensive. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us. For we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood have we hid ourselves. Brothers and sisters, if we continue to keep bad company, we will be punished with that company. Brothers and sisters, there is a one-way path when we associate with evil people. And that way is from purity to defilement, from virtue to sin, from light to darkness, from worth and value to corruption and decay. Brothers and sisters. We need companions that are for our purposes, not against it, brothers and sisters. If you're not for it, by, excuse me, by definition, you're against it, brothers and sisters. Read that again, brother. Isaiah chapter 28, verse 15. Because ye have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with hell are we at agreement. When the overflowing scourge shall pass through, it shall not come unto us. For we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood 
Have we hit ourselves? Now you have to only walk with people of like mind. Those of us who know the story of Jericho, brothers and sisters, there was one brother, there was one brother, Achan or Achan, who took something that belonged to the Most High and hid it in the sand under a tent, brothers and sisters. And it caused the children of Israel to be destroyed in war. See? Why? Because we were walking with somebody who didn't agree, who had a different mindset. And that different mindset led to the slaughter of our people. See? You will walk with who you are in agreement with, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Proverbs chapter 12 and 26. Follow us here, brothers and sisters. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26. The righteous is more excellent than his neighbor, but the way of the wicked seduces them. But what? But the way of the wicked seduces them. See, the righteous must be cautious in friendship, brothers and sisters. Why? Because bad associations can cause us to compromise our convictions, brothers and sisters. Read that again. Proverbs chapter 12, verse 26. The righteous is more excellent than his neighbor. But the way of the wicked seduces them. That's key. The way of the wicked seduces them. See? The enemy tempts us by making the way of the ungodly appear desirable. Brothers and sisters. See? The spirit of the ungodly is a seducing spirit. Because guess what? If you're amongst sinners, then you're seeing how they're enjoying sin. See, if you're not amongst them, you're not even looking at that. You don't see somebody enjoying sin. You don't know about that. (laughs) I don't know if they would enjoy it or not. I don't be around them. See, brothers and sisters? Pick a side, pick a side. Brothers and sisters. He's telling you, I need you to be fruitful. I need you to understand the principles of harvest. I need you to understand what will act as a prohibition. Or what will lead to being barren, fruitful. Brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Proverbs 13 and 20. Just one chapter over, brothers and sisters. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. See? (laughs) But a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Here's one of the most valuable Proverbs for your advancement. Though you may be wise... Foolish friends will eventually destroy you, brothers and sisters. Read that again. Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise, but a companion of fools shall be destroyed. Your soul and future are at stake, brothers and sisters. Find the way of good men and go in that direction, brothers and sisters. Why? Because there's a saying that says, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Brothers and sisters. Now, I would, you know, as you become an adult, you're not really looking for friends unless you're probably dealing immature, didn't have a lot of friends when you were young. You know, but as a grown adult, I mean, who's looking for friends? (laughs) You know, we got, you know, four or five close friends that you trust. We don't need to be the most popular person in high school again. Right. Because why? You spread yourself thin. A companion of fools shall be destroyed. You must be able 
able to walk alone sometimes, brothers and sisters, if you can't have the proper people in your environment. Because some people would rather just be with somebody because <laughs> they don't want to be alone. You're going to be destroyed. You're going to be destroyed because you're cleaving to an enemy of the Most High. See? Brother Weston, let's go to Proverbs 9 and 6. Follows there, brothers and sisters. Proverbs chapter 9, verse 6. Forsake the foolish and live. Do what? Forsake the foolish and live. And go in the way of understanding. Forsake the foolish and live. <laughs> Why? Because the scripture previous said the friend of a foolish man shall be destroyed. So people who think wrongly invariably behave wrongly. Brothers and sisters. Read that again. Proverbs chapter 9 verse 6. Forsake the foolish and live and go in the way of understanding. Wrong behavior comes from wrong thinking. Brothers and sisters. From wrong beliefs and wrong standards. Brothers and sisters. It's impossible to associate regularly with wicked people without being contaminated by both their ideas and by their habits. Brothers and sisters. The Bible is being extremely clear on this. And people will say, well, yeah, that's that's for somebody else. That's for somebody more naive who, you know, is not as mature as me spiritually, haven't been in the truth for this long. No, <laughs> be not deceived. This is speaking to you. This is who it's speaking to. It's speaking to me. Let's go to Ecclesiastes chapter four, brother. The Apocrypha. Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We're going to read verse 22 and 23, brothers and sisters. Ecclesiasticus chapter 4, verse 22. Accept no person against thy soul. What did that say? Accept no person against thy soul. Do not accept someone against the principles that you know is right. And let not the reverence of any man cause thee to fall. Mm. Look at that, brothers and sisters. Because, because you will fall. Why? Because you've already compromised. Read that again, brother. Ecclesiasticus chapter 4 verse 22. Accept no persons against thy soul. And let not the reverence of any man cause thee to fall. To show you that we'll have or hold somebody in such high regard. <laughs> you want to be around and want to hang around and want to be with them. That that's going to lead to your fall. Why? Because you, you hold them in such high regard. Read that again, brother, please. Ecclesiasticus chapter 4, verse 22. Accept no person against thy soul, and let not the reverence of any man cause thee to fall. And refrain not to speak when there is an occasion to do good, and hide not thy wisdom in her beauty. Do what? And hide not thy wisdom in her beauty. So there's a couple of things working here, brothers and sisters. And refrain not to speak when there's occasion to do good. So that means amongst certain people, you won't do what's right because it's not something they agree with, brothers and sisters. See, And, and hide not thy wisdom in her beauty. Why? Because a lot of times, especially when it comes to a woman, we'll do what we know isn't right. <laughs> You know, or we'll hide our wisdom, not just with women, when we're in, you know, amongst certain people. Why? 
You're already compromised. That's the lie that we can play with fire and not get burned. We can roll around in the mud with the farm animals and not get dirty, brothers and sisters. And hide not thy wisdom in her beauty. So you do what's wrong based on what she look like. <laughs> See, many men have done it. Many men have done it. And every man listening right now understand what I'm talking about. Brother talking about, man, she's just so fine. <laughs> just got to do it. Man, she's going to get somebody else. Let her go, brother. Let her go. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus, brother, 40 and uh, 27. Ecclesiasticus, chapter 40, verse 27. The fear of the Lord is a fruitful garden and covereth him above all glory. Read that again. The fear of the Lord is a fruitful garden and covereth him above all glory. See, the fear of the Most High is a fruitful garden. Brothers and sisters, and covereth him above all glory. Brothers and sisters, where there is no root, there can be no fruit. So we want to surround ourselves with people who have good spiritual fruit. Brothers and sisters, we don't need someone who's barren amongst the fruitful. Why? Because failure to produce fruit is threatened with destruction. Brothers and sisters, that's why. See? We're going to show you that. That failure to produce fruit is threatened with destruction. So we have to keep ourselves away from, you know, spiritually barren people. Because it will affect us. We're going to go to Mark 11 and 12. Mark in the New Testament, chapter 11, verse 12 through 15. Mark, chapter 11, verse 12. And on the morrow... When they were come in from Bethany, he was hungry, and seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, having, he, having what? Having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything therein. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of the figs was not yet. Read. And Christ answered and said unto it, No man eats fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. So, brothers and sisters, look at this. He came to a fig tree, right? He came to a fig tree, and that fig tree had no fruit on it. So, there's something critical going on here. Many things can masquerade as the real thing, but upon closer inspection, they fail. See? So, this inverted miracle, we see precisely the stakes for not only failing to produce fruit, but of giving a fruitful impression and failing to back it up. See, there is a judgment for having a lack of fruitful production. Brothers and sisters, read that again. Verse 13. <clears throat> Mark chapter 2, verse 13. And seeing a fig tree afar off, having leaves, he came, if happily he might find anything therein. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves. For the time of figs was not yet. And Christ answered and said unto it, no man eats fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Now look at this. No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. So this is showing us that fruitlessness leads to judgment, brothers and sisters. This demonstrates what the end will be for the fruitless. 
brothers and sisters. Jump to verse 20, Brother Wesley. Mark chapter 2, verse 20. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. And Peter, calling to remember it, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou hast cur curses is withered away. So look at this, brothers and sisters. The, the fig tree that thou hast cursed, it has withered away. Why? Because he didn't have fruit. See, brothers and sisters? It's a curse to not be fruitful, brothers and sisters. Now, what we must understand is like this fig tree, many believers have a deceptive appearance. They might outwardly appear to observe his law. However, upon closer inspection, are barren of good fruitage. See? That's key, brothers and sisters. Why is this key? We're going to show you. Let's go to John 15 and 4. This is why he's telling us to stay away from the tear. Stay away from certain things and certain people. Why? Because it's a judgment for your lack of production. John chapter 15 verse 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Except it abide in the vine. No more can ye. Except ye abide in me. Now that's key. Because if you're not being fruitful. It's because you're not spending enough time with him. See. Look at this. Brothers and sisters. The fruit that Christ speaks of. Is evidence of a relationship with him. See. Look at that. Read it again brother please. John chapter 15 verse 4. Abide in me. And I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself. Except it abide in the vine. No more can ye. Except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. The what? The same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. See, so look at that. If you're not bringing forth fruit, you're not, you're not in him. You're still, you're on your own. You're doing your own thing. See, read. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as a branch, and is withered. And men gathered them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. See, brothers and sisters, you have no value to the Most High. You have no value if you're not being fruitful. None. See? So anything hindering the production of fruit must be exterminated, brothers and sisters. Why? Because if I don't have fruit, I'll be cast into the fire and burned. You understand that, brothers and sisters? See, this is not a game. This is not a game to be fruitful if you want to be fruitful. It's a commandment to be fruitful. And you should be bringing people to Christ based on your fruit of the Spirit, brothers and sisters. See? If you have no works, if you're displaying no fruit, brothers and sisters, you have no value to the Most High. And that's crystal clear. A lack of production concerning fruit is an indication that you're not spending time with Christ. You're really not being led by Christ. You're being led by yourself. And that can happen. Some people may follow, you know, certain laws like that, you know, outwardly, but really they haven't changed inside. As a man think, so is he. So you can change your behaviors. That still hasn't changed you until your thinking has changed. If your thinking hasn't changed... You have not changed. Period. That's the Bible.
We're going to go to Isaiah 33 and 6, and we're going to, we're going to break down, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson was spiritual farming 101, brothers and sisters, where we wanted to deal with the agriculture that's contained in the Bible that he has used to teach a biblical truth or spiritual truth. Isaiah chapter 33, verse 6. And wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times. Read that again. And wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times. So it's the wisdom from the Bible, the knowledge that will stabilize us. And strength of salvation, the fear of the Lord is his treasure. So that's crystal clear, brothers and sisters, as we continue um, to progress towards the second coming of Christ. The only thing that can stabilize us is the wisdom that we learn in biblical literature. Brothers and sisters. So we went into a myriad of things today. And you know. Whether a brother or sister want to agree. With what we're reading here. Nevertheless the truth is the truth. And it will stand alone. Brothers and sisters. So we must understand about reaping and sowing. You reap more than you sow. You reap in a different season. Than you sow. But you will reap. right? Even if you are. Repentant. Even if you show contrition. You still have to reap that. Why? Because that's the that's the agricultural principle of harvest. That if you do something against this law and you repent of it, you still have to be paid for that. There still must be reciprocity. We showed that what? There's wheat and tares, brothers and sisters. There's people that Satan has put amongst us just to destroy us. See? And we also showed how Christ called three from the rest and said, listen, where I'm taking you, others can't go. I'm taking you to where the air is thin. Brothers and sisters. And we also showed what? In the end, we showed that there is a judgment for a lack of fruitful production. Brothers and sisters. So there's a plethora of lessons we can learn from farmers, from dealing with agriculture. Brothers and sisters. I encourage brothers and sisters to look into that. Look into how farmers, you know, how they live, what they do, the consistency. Because it's spiritual principles that's there, brothers and sisters, that will benefit us. Today's lesson was spiritual farming 101, brothers and sisters. We want to say, Kwam Yasharala. Kwam Yasharala. Sin no more. Sin no more.